want to have... All right. Here, actually, I do want to have you uh, kind of get to know the people at your table. What is one habit this year that if you did it consistently, it would change your life? So I look at goals. Goals kind of sets the direction, but habits are actually the systems that actually accomplish those goals. So I want you to think about this. We're not teaching on habits. This is just an opener. So them you're like running for the door. You're like, oh, no. And so, um, but yeah, what's one habit that if you did it consistently, it would change your life in the next 12 months? So go ahead and introduce yourselves. See you in a few minutes here. All right, take about another 30 seconds. All right, about another 10 seconds. Talk fast. All right, I'd be interested to hear what some of the habits are. This has nothing to do with the message. I'm just a little curious. What were some of the habits that you thought would be life-changing? What? Not eating dessert. <laughs> Exercise. What would you say, Derek? Drink water, all right. Drink, drink water what? Drink water and pray. <laughs> well, yeah, I guess depending on what city you live in, you need to pray before you drink the water. Yeah, those two go together. Anyone else? Read the Bible. Oh, that's always a safe one there. Yeah, good. How many are like, you know what, these habits are good, but I ain't doing them. How many are just going to be that honest? No, don't, don't be that honest. All right. All right, let's talk about today. I want to talk to you today about the key to everything, the key to everything. And uh, just as I was seeking the Lord in this season, I was, thinking, I was just kind of asking, like, what is the one thing if I did it consistently would actually completely change my life? And uh, so I'm going to kind of set the table with that. So I'm not sure if you've ever been in, the, in this scene where, where someone is about to pass away and they know it and they want to pass on their last words to you. They know it's maybe the last conversation. As a pastor, I've been in the hospital several times where people have passed from life to death, and there's been family members there, and, and they're wanting to say their last words, and I've had it happen with family members. And so I remember um, one family, uh, one, one particular situation, there was a grandma with her grandson, and the grandson wasn't serving the Lord. He was uh, addicted to some substances, and the grandmother knew it, but she, uh, she, just, she continued just to love him, and uh, she called him in knowing that it was going to probably be the last time she saw him. And her last words to him were, you're going to make it. 
you're going to make it. And he knew that she knew he wasn't serving God, but it was like those words gave him the strength and ended up turning his life around, getting off the, getting off of the drugs, which is that one simple phrase, you're going to make it, okay? Yes, yeah, yay God, yay God. Thank God for praying grandmas, come on, yeah. And praying mamas and praying aunts and uncles and all that good stuff. Now, imagine the person that you're close to is about to die is Jesus, okay? And he wants to leave you with a final word. How closely would you listen, right? How long and hard would you ponder on what the Lord has just told you? That's the setting of John 14 and 15. Jesus is about to die. He's got his closest people gathering, and he's giving them his final instructions before he passes away. And but he does rise from the dead, but we, they don't know that yet. And so, uh, so Jesus knew that these words that he spoke on this final night, they were going to echo in his friend's mind for years and years and in ours as well. So listen to John chapter 14, verses 1 through 3 we're going to start off with. This is Jesus' words to his disciples his, in the, on his final night, because on the next day he would be stretched out on a cross. Let, your, not, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have, to, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again, and I will take you to myself, that where I am, you may also be. What's Jesus saying? He's saying, you're going to make it. He's saying, I'm leaving, but you're going to make it. Now, it's interesting. I think on um, and then the King James says, in my father's house, there are many mansions. And it sounds like an amazing thing. And so, uh, you know, everyone pictures like getting a mansion in heaven, but it's actually not the picture that Jesus is talking about. I'm sure you're going to have an amazing house in heaven. I'm sure it'll be everything that you want it to be, but that's actually not what this verse is talking about. He says, in my father's house, there's many rooms. And uh, look at the next verse, or not in the next section here, John 14, 23, we're going to find out the room that he's going to prepare the place for is you. You are the room that he's going to dwell in. Listen, guys, I'd rather have a room with Jesus than a mansion by myself somewhere, all right? I'm sure you have a mansion. I'm not trying to take away your mansions. I'm just saying this verse ain't talking about it. The place that he's going to prepare was you. Listen to verse 23. This is just a couple verses later, chapter 14. Jesus answered him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. You are the home that he was going to prepare the place for. And so Jesus, he set some high expectations for his followers. And in that same chapter, verse 12, here's what he says. I tell you the truth. Anyone who has faith in me will do the works I've been doing. He will do even greater works than these because I'm going to the Father. Going to the Father to prepare you to be that place. Isn't that interesting? People are like, what are the greater works? I don't know what all the greater works are, but how about we start with the same works of Jesus? Then we can worry about the greater works. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the leper, I mean, all, all that good stuff. Jesus, and uh, you think living that life would require a whole bunch of things. I'll be like, okay, guys, if you're going to do the greater things, then it's gonna, you're going you're gonna to have work cut out for it. You're going to have to be busy. You're going to have to do this checklist. And he actually said there's only one thing that's required, and it's abiding. Abiding, that's it. Uh, this is, like, if you were to just say, Jim, one thing I'm going to do, not say Jim, Jesus, Help me to do one thing this year. I bet if we went on an experiment as a church and we just went on an all-out ballistic assault to abide, we would have more fruit in our life on accident than we ever could on purpose, apart from abiding. Because here's what I know. When we abide, fruit is inevitable. When we don't abide, fruit is impossible. That's pretty much the whole message right there. I'm going to expand that a little bit, but let me just say it again. When we, don't, when we, when we abide, fruit is inevitable. When we don't abide, fruit is impossible. 
And so abiding uh, consists of those things. Whatever we need to do to stay connected to God. And so abiding is as simple as turning your thoughts towards him. It's not like, okay, I got to go be alone in the wilderness. And No, no, no. You can abide at any single moment. Maybe sometimes just praying, you're listening, you're open to the Spirit's promptings. Sometimes you may engage in certain practices like Bible reading or scripture meditation or solitude, whatever those might be. But it's whatever it is, we're putting our attention on him. That's abiding. It's as simple as that. And Jesus says, if you'll do that, you will bear fruit. What is fruit? It's the visible results of abiding. It's the things in your life that it's, you know, you're able to serve people without being grumpy about it, right? You're putting your, own, your, uh, your spouse's needs above your own. <clears throat> I tell you what, there, you know how many fights there would be in a marriage if, um, if selfishness was eliminated? Like, like, think about every fight you've ever had, it's because someone's being selfish. It's not because someone's being like, you know, yeah. It's not because the fruit of the Spirit's bumping into each other. It's like, no, no, no. If you'll abide, you'll bear fruit. You'll become whole people on the inside. You'll forgive people who irritate you. You'll have the power to heal the sick and to raise the dead by simply focusing on Jesus, putting your attention on him. If we abide, we will bear fruit. I love um, this quote from Bill Johnson. The fruit of our lives is not something that we work to produce. It's merely the evidence of whatever we spiritually commune with. That's pretty powerful there. The fruit of our lives is not something that we work to produce. It's merely the evidence of whatever we spiritually commune with. And see, the problem we have as believers a lot of times is we try to produce fruit without abiding. Right? And what the Bible calls this works righteousness. And here's what happens, guys. You're going to fail to produce fruit, and you're going to get super discouraged. Oh, man, this is just so hard. Um, when you abide, fruit's inevitable. When you don't abide, fruit's impossible. No matter how hard you try, how fast you run, how many verses you memorize. So I want to read about abiding in John chapter 15. So John 14, Jesus is setting it up, his final words, and now he's going to give it to him in John 15 here. This is, this is the whole message here. John 15, verses 1 through 5. Jesus said, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine grower. He removes every branch in me that bears no fruit. Every branch that bears fruit, he prunes to make it bear more fruit. Isn't that awesome? Every fruitful branch gets rewarded with pruning. So when God's producing amazing fruit in your life, things are going so good, what happens? You get pruned. You're like, hold on, this hurts. This doesn't feel good. Pruning means you're usually losing something or giving up something. And you're like, I thought I was being good. Why? So you can be even more fruitful. I remember uh, we just had uh, Mary's parents came in town. And my father-in-law, he knew more about uh, gardening than we do, which I think just about everyone in this room knows more about gardening than we do. But we had, uh, our neighbor had this um, grapevine and he, it grew over, we had a fence between us, and it grew over the fence, and it was like taking over our yard. It was like crumbling the fence. It was just like completely out of control, and hardly had any fruit on it. And uh, so every time I would mow the grass, I'm like getting attacked by this thing, like trying to, you know, mow by the fence. And so my father-in-law went, and he pruned this vine, and it looked like it was like naked. I mean, he pruned this thing back. It looked stripped down, and my neighbor came knocking on the door, and he was fuming. How could you do this? You know what you did to this thing? I think he even said, it looks like it's naked and shivering. I'm like, listen, it was him. It wasn't me. I'm going to get the senior citizen here. And so, um, what? Do we have permission to have a cut it? Okay, we had permission, but we didn't, he didn't think it was going to look quite like that. Okay, thank you. I'm so glad my wife's here. And so, uh, so yeah, so he's super furious. But you know what happened the next year? 
as that thing was more fruitful than it had ever been. How many of you guys know that's what happens in your life? It's like, it's like there's a pruning season, and it feels like, oh, my goodness. But God's like, I'm getting rid of those things that are sucking the life out of you so that all of the energy can be directed towards producing fruit. So every fruitful branch will be rewarded with pruning. Thank you, Jesus. Let's just say, Lord, prune. No, we're not going to pray that prayer. He's going to do it whether you ask for it or not. Every branch that bears fruit, he prunes to make it bear more fruit. You have already been cleansed. That's the same word, pruned. You have already been pruned by the word that I've spoken to you. A lot of people think God prunes you with sickness or disease or calamity, but he prunes you, he cleans you with his word. That'll change somebody's theology right there. Abide in me as I abide in you. Just as a branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. Those who abide in me and I in them bear much fruit because apart from me, you can do nothing. And so Jesus uses the word abide. It's the verb form of the word home or like abode or dwelling place. If you look at the NIV, okay? And so Jesus said, he said, I'm going to be dwelling in you. I'm going to be living in you. I'm going to make my home in you. I'm going to be abiding in you. And so I want you to do the same in me. Abide in me. Make your dwelling in me, living in me. I'm not sure if you guys recognize this, but the Trinity dwells in you. This should wreck somebody's depression right here. Okay? Listen, Colossians 3.3 says that you're in God. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says you're in Christ. And uh, Romans 8.9 says you're in the Spirit. Okay? Uh, So you're in God, you're in Christ, you're in the Spirit. That's the Trinity. Now listen to this. Philippians 2.13 says God is in you. Colossians 1.27 says, Christ is in you. 1 Corinthians 3.16 says, the Spirit is in you. Yeah. You're in Christ. You're in the Spirit. You're in, they're both together. I love the picture of baptism in Matthew 28. It's known as the Great Commission. Go into all the world. As you go into all the world, make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. I think a lot of people picture you're just pronouncing a formula over someone as you're dipping them in the water. That's not the picture. You're immersing, when you, uh, the, uh, the name of somebody represented the reality. That's why you said, by what power or by what name do you do this miracle? It wasn't just a formula in the book of Acts. It wasn't a formula in the Bible's mind. It was a person's name represented a reality. So when you're baptizing someone in the name of the Trinity, you're immersing them in the reality of the Trinity. That's the picture of what happened to you when you got saved. It's just, it's just as somebody is being you know, completely immersed in water, they're being completely surrounded in it, in, by, with. That's the same thing that happens when you get born again, is you're immersed into the reality of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. They are in you, and you are in them. And if we will, all we will simply redirect our attention, if we will fix our mind on him, we can begin to enter into the reality of love, joy, peace, whatever you need, you can be fruitful in that situation. I remember Bill Johnson illustrated like this with a, he talked about having a dove on the shoulder. He said, if you had a dove on your shoulder and you wanted to walk across the room and keep the dove on there, how would you do that? He said, you would take every step with the dove in mind. Such a powerful picture. I remember I tried to illustrate it when you're at Zion. We had these uh, Christmas ornaments that looked like live birds. They were almost offensive. The kids just had to have them. And every time people would come, they, would, I mean, they just they looked real. And I'm like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm going to... Um, I'm going to bring it to Zion. I'm going to put it on my shoulder and do that illustration. Except I didn't realize that uh, the, the quick-wittedness of the Zion people, they started making um, uh, pirate noises as I had this bird on my shoulder. Arg, arg, and I'm like, you guys aren't mature enough for my illustrations. 
Dr. Shishai, were you there at, um, when we did that pastor's thing at the Hamptons Church and I brought off the bird? Yeah, and so I, this has nothing to do with the sermon. This is just funny. And so um, I had that bird uh, wrapped in a towel, and I, I went to speak at this pastor's thing. I don't know, it was maybe like 30 or 40 of them. It was kind of in a smaller room. And I said, hey, guys. Uh, I said, you know, I was driving here, and I looked on the side of the road, and I saw this dead bird, and I, uh, I like, unleashed it. Women are screaming. They, like, get up and start running for the back of the room. I said, you know, we're going to practice dead raising here. And um, it, I know, well, it was, anyway, it's funny. You know, they've never invited me back. Yeah. Maybe there's a connection. I, mean, I love that picture of living life with a dove on the shoulder, taking every step with the dove in mind. Just simply turning our attention to him, we begin to tap into the resources of heaven. In the metaphor of the grapevine, when a branch abides, the fruit is inevitable. When it does not, fruit is impossible. No matter how hard you run, how, fast you, how hard you try, listen, guys, you cannot produce fruit on your own. So I want you to get this. The task of a branch is almost arguably simple. Uh, uh, Stay connected to the vine. Be a good branch. That's it. Just be a good branch. Agriculturally, here's how it works. There's nutrients in the water that flow from the soil into the roots of the vine. They travel into the trunk, and then they're carried by these little capillary tubes into every branch and into the canes that spring up every spring, and ultimately the branch leaf, okay? So here's the picture. There's an unceasing flow of life from the vine into the branch. The same life that's in the vine is the same life that's in the branch. The same life that is in Jesus is the same life that is in you. It's not like a different kind of lesser junior life. It's the same life. There's an unceasing flow. And so I'm not sure if you guys can see this. I thought about getting a bigger one, but I thought, well, it might be a little too dramatic for this here. And so isn't this just a beautiful orchid here? Oh, didn't, God, didn't God do such a good job in this? And, uh, you know, it, it's, uh, it has a root system. It came with instructions that I didn't realize the tag was still on. Sean cut it off right before. He's like, do you want to take the tag up there? And so thankful for Sean. And so, it's, it's, it, you know, there's a, there's, a, there's a flow of life going from the root system and the soil flowing up into there until something's about to happen. Yeah. Hey, don't, don't get too sad. I mean, this thing just gave us life for this illustration. Let's have some honor for this thing. Now, here's what's interesting there. It's still pink and beautiful, and it still looks alive. But the reality is this is actually dying. It can look awesome on the outside, but it's actually been cut off from the source of life. You know what? There's a lot of believers. You know, I'm just going to leave this up here as a prophetic act. I'm just glad I didn't cut myself. Every time I do an illustration, with some, Mary saw the scissors. She's like, you're doing a prop with something sharp? I'm like, Mary, it's going to be okay. <laughs> we already talked to the intercessors in China. They're on it. As soon as it was cut off from the source of light, the process of death began. It's just a matter of time. Guys, again, our chief objective in the Christian life can be summed up in one phrase, be a good branch. Stay connected to the vine because apart from it, the, that decay, that you just, you're on your own strength and you just begin to atrophy. Stay connected to the source of life in such a way that you're constantly receiving from him whatever it is you need to bear fruit. Wisdom, rest, encouragement, power, love, joy. As we turn our affections, as we turn our attention towards him, guys, that's simply, that's all it is. We may do some things that help us stay connected, reading the Bible, those type of things, but just simply turning our mind towards him. 
So here's my question to you. Will you decide that abiding in the vine is your number one priority? I said, guys, I'm telling you if, you, if you and I as a church decided we were going to make this our number one priority to abide in the vine, to stay connected to Jesus, you know, the, the Bible calls it uh, walking in the spirit. Uh, Paul talks about uh, remaining in Christ. I mean, there's just so many different pictures. It's, it's all the same thing. It's just simply staying connected to him. But what would our year look like? This time next year, if we just said, I'm going to, Jesus said this, I only do what I see the father doing. I only say what I hear him say. I think a lot of people think in order to abide, you're going to have to become a monk in a monastery. Then you'll have time to abide. But for us busy, listen, no one is more busy than Jesus. They're cutting through roofs just to hear what he has to say. No one's doing that to you right now or me. He was busy. And yet somehow he had this unhurried condition where he was able to stay connected to the father. I almost did this message, and so I'm just going to slip it in here real quick, just on accident here. And so um, I was going to do this message this morning called The Walk Versus the Whack. And so as, as charismatic believers, we love the whack of God. We love it when God comes in in dramatic ways, and the end suddenly, and the power shows up, and the glory chills happen, and, and God just, we love all that stuff. We love the whack of God. But really, guys, it's, those, those times are precious, but those are to help you walk it out in a different way. I can't even, the Bible's all about, you know, God walked with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day. You know, he walked the Israelites out of, in, uh, out of the wilderness. You know, Peter walking in the, on the water. There was all these walking in the spirit. Walk as Jesus walked. Walk worthy of your calling. Walk. It, when you're walking, the only thing that matters is the next step. And there's this walk with God where we're walking with him. And what happens when you live, when you live for the whack is you remember back to the glory days, so you're living in the past. Oh, remember Toronto. Oh, remember Brownsville. Oh, remember that time we went to Bethel. Oh, guys, those times are wonderful. Those times are not meant to be those, uh, the, the highlight of your life. The highlight of your life is the walking with God. Listen, your marriage and your honeymoon is great, but that's not the marriage. The marriage is the living it out day by day, the intimacy, the growing, the, the synergy that happens when two are better than one, Right? So what happens a lot of times when you live for the whack is you look to the past or you're looking forward to something. Oh, I can't wait till this, you know, God's going to do this and that. And listen, guys, we love that, but it's about the walk there. Now I don't have to do that message. You guys good? You guys get it? We're living for the walk and not the whack. Back to our family's agricultural life. Many years ago, uh, this is when we lived in North Carolina, Mary uh, planted a tomato plant for the first time. And so, uh, again, we're not green thumb type of people. She did a whole bunch of research. We were very careful with this. She read all about it. She dug a hole and measured it just right and got the right kind of soil and the miracle grow and all the nutrients. And we're watering this tomato plant every day. And one day uh, while the boys were playing outside, Mary had a lapse of attention. And our boys are normal boys, uh, you know, filled with life and curiosity and the desire to destroy things. And um, the boys wandered over to the unsuspecting tomato plant, and they dug up all the roots, and they left the vine in the ground gasping for air. And when Mary noticed the plant, it was too late. And uh, because it had been severed from the, the connection too long there, there would be no leaves, there would be no fruit. I mean, Mary had done everything. She'd watered it, she'd fed it, she'd given it, make sure it got the sunlight and everything. But what could she do? But I tell you what, guys, if we do not protect our abiding in the vine, it's not going to happen. Because here's what's going to happen. Busyness will creep in. No one is going to drift into spiritual transformation. You're not going to just let the busyness of life come into your, and all of a sudden you're going to be this spiritual giant. How did this happen? This is amazing. I wasn't even expecting this. Intentionality. There's a protecting of it. 
We live in a world that is constantly pulling us away from abiding. I believe that's the primary uh, thing that the enemy tries to do in our country is just busyness. Just keep you busy. If the enemy can't, uh, the evil one loves to keep us from leading fruitful lives by getting us to be busy instead. He's listen, I can't get you to be sinful. I'll just get you to be busy. It has the same effect. It disconnects you from the Lord. There's a sociologist named John Robinson. He studied how people talk and how they spend their time. And he noticed that people who complain about being busy exaggerate themselves as if they're even busier than they actually are. And he says this is because busyness is a status symbol in our society. We live in a crazy world where to be important means to be real busy. Have you ever heard of, I mean, when you talk to a Christian, how are you doing? Busy, busy. But busyness is like the 10th fruit of the Spirit. It's like, wow, you're busy. That is so awesome. Busyness is not awesome, okay? Busyness, uh, you, listen, you can have, a, like I said, a lot on your schedule, but when there's that hurriedness on the inside that disconnects you from the Lord, your fruitfulness is going to suffer. What do people tend to say? Um, uh, if you ever look at like, like a job interview when you ask people, like, what's your biggest problem? You know, I, I, just, I just get too busy. I just take too much on. I'm a workaholic. Like, that kind of gets honored a little bit. When's the last time you heard someone at a job interview who's like, you know what? I am so lazy. I absolutely amaze at myself. You know, I hardly get anything. Like, no one is saying that. It's, I'm so busy. I take on too much. I'm a workaholic, right? That's what gets honored. You know, here's the interesting thing about grapes. It takes about as long to produce a grape today as it did in Jesus' day. Fruitfulness doesn't happen in a hurry. Jesus never said, abide with me, but let's do it quickly because we've got a lot of things to accomplish today. Abiding is a slow word. And again, it's a, you don't have to you know, have this unending quiet time while doing nothing but prayer and Bible study. And you know, I can never abide until you know, my kids are grown or there's none of that stuff. I think a lot of people think abiding will have to wait to another season of life. But here's the, abiding simply means to invite Jesus to walk with you through every moment of your entire life. It's to walk with the dove on the shoulder. I love this quote. I'm circling in for a landing. Can you guys believe how quick we're doing here? Nobody can believe it. They're just silent. Here's a quote from Malcolm Smith. I love this. The Christian life may be summed up as the consciousness that he lives within us, and we draw upon his infinite life in every situation we find ourselves in. Oh, yeah, there it is. That's good. good. This means that as we grow in Christ and become mature, we will have an increasing sense of our own weakness that we might no longer trust in ourselves and so proportionally live from his strength. Well, that's such a powerful phrase there. The Christian life is recognizing that the, the, is more and more recognizing I can't do it in my strength. I need him, and I become aware of the Holy Spirit within me. That's maturing in Christ. It's drawing from his strength in more and more situations. I use this illustration. I think a lot of people think that when we become more mature in Christ, we need him less right? No, 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 no. The more mature in Christ you are, you're burning through grace the way that the space, the space shuttle burns through fuel trying to ex- get upon accidentry. Like you're burning through it like crazy. That's the mature Christian. You're burning through grace. You're drawing upon him in every situation. So here's my question. How much of your time are you aware of the spirit of God? How much of your time are you aware of the Christ within you? I've got some good news. We don't need to feel guilty about this. There's an invitation to recognize him in the next moment. Whatever I am most conscious of will have the greatest effect in my life, whether it's the bill that's due tomorrow or the Christ who's within me. Listen, what if abiding is simply becoming aware of the Holy Spirit who is so aware of you? Guys, this is a simple message. For example, what if you started off every morning with an abiding prayer? Lord, I invite you to walk with me through this day. 
I'm just a branch. I'm going to cling to you, the vine. What's well, just, just a simple recognition? Or if you're walking into a conflict situation or you've got a difficult project in work and you just recognize, God, I just thank you that I can draw on the limitless resources of heaven, that I walk in peace and I'm going to bring peace into this conflict situation, that, Lord, I've got access to perfect wisdom. And you just, as you recognize this, it begins to flow into your life. Then just as the branch has an unseen connection to the roots, you can have a secret conversation with God as you walk through the day. I know you guys know how to do this. I know you've been listening to someone and thought about something else in your mind while their lips kept moving, right? You can do that, but you can do it with the Lord. You can listen with that third ear as they're talking, saying, Lord, do you have anything for me to give to them? Do you have any wisdom, any strength, any encouragement? You can listen with that third ear. Throughout your day, you can have a secret conversation with God that no one else knows about. And sometimes you'll have so much joy, you're going to have to modulate your face so you don't look crazy. All right. There's times where you just pour out your heart to him in private moments of worship, and you can ask him for whatever you need. Uh, sometimes well, we call it just taking a drink. We just take a little five-minute break, and you go, and you have a little unhurried time with the Lord, and just let him love on you. Just Remember, one of, the, one of the things he said in the next verse there is, abide in my love. So you just recognize how loved you are. You don't even have to use words. You can just sit there and abide in his love and recognize how loved you are. Maybe you take some pictures from Scripture and meditate on those. But each day can be a private, intimate, priceless connection between you and God, where his life flows into you and your life flows back to him. No one's going to see it, but I guarantee it'll change the way you act, the way you see, the way you love people, and you'll become a different kind of person from the inside out. You will live differently, and fruit will be inevitable. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to take out the sheets of paper. And um, if anyone did not get one of those sheets of paper, it has, for those of you online, if, it's, if, uh, if the link's not up there, we're going to look at Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30 in the, um, in the message translation. So you can go to BibleGateway.com and just look it up. Uh, Matthew 11, verses 28 through 30 in the message. And also John uh, 15, 1 through 5 in the message. And here's what I want you guys to do is uh, just... You, it's right there on the piece of paper, and I want you to just read through it at an unhurried pace. We're going to just take a few moments here, read through it at an unhurried pace, and see if something sticks out to you. If there's something that's kind of highlighted, then I want you to just circle it, um, you know, maybe underline it, whatever you want to do. And then after you read through it, I want you to talk to God about one of those things. God, why is this highlighted to me? What are you speaking to me? Is there something you want me to know? Okay? We're just going to practice having a little bit of unhurried time with God and um, with the Scripture. So just read through it. Underline some stuff, maybe read through it a second time, and then just take a word or phrase and talk to God about it. What is it that you want me to know? Is there anything you're calling me to do in light of this? Does that sound good? All right, if we could have a little travel music. I forgot to give you guys a little warning for this. But we're going to take five minutes, and we're going to come back. We're going to close. It's John 15, 4 through 8, apparently, so sorry about that.
about 20 more seconds. Why don't you take a minute or two at your tables and just share anything that um, you felt was kind of highlighted to you. And if, there, if you want to share beyond that, you're welcome to do that. If you don't want to share, you can just take a pass and just listen to other people. So I'll see you guys in a minute or two here.
take about 60 more seconds. All right, I'm giving you a bonus 60 seconds because it's my New Year's present to you, so. Let's bring it together here. So uh, next time, I'm gonna, we'll get real practical on what it looks like to abide moment by moment. We'll look at what it looks like to abide in your workplace, in the middle of conflict, going to bed, waking up. We'll look at how, how do you spend the day with the Lord. We'll, we'll get real practical about it. I want to just kind of open the door. But I really feel, I wrote this phrase, and I feel like the Lord is reducing us to a people of one thing. If you remember in Gideon's army, I mean, they started off with thousands. God kept reducing them to a point of strength. It didn't look like strength to anybody else, but it was strength. And it was interesting. Gideon's army was chosen based on how they drank. Isn't that interesting? And, what, you know, and so oftentimes you see refreshing and, and drinking as a picture of feeding yourself spiritually is, is the way that you partake of spiritual things. And, you know, it's interesting. God, God reduced the army based on the way that they drank. I feel like this is just really a season of abandonment, a season of stripping off the busyness. I'm not saying like we got to you know, say no to everything. I'm talking about that, that, that condition on the inside that is you're, constantly, you're not present anywhere. You're thinking about this and you're worried. You know, it's like Jesus said to uh, Martha, you're worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. And I believe that one thing for us is abiding. Uh, after, I've been serving God for over 40 years, and uh, I'll, here's what I've learned. Whatever task you are doing at any given moment, you will tend to do it better if you include God, okay? And so I'm just saying, guys, this year, if that was our one focus is we're going to abide. I'm not saying you can't do any other things, but as you do those things, do them with God. They're going to go better for you. So, Lord, we love you. We thank you for this invitation to bear fruit almost effortlessly as we just turn our attention towards you. God, we want to have that intimate walk with you where we're listening to you and you're speaking to us and 
Lord, we desire that more than anything else. And so, Lord, I just pray that we would be a people of one thing, Lord, as you reduce us to that strength, reducing us to a people of one thing, that, God, we want to learn how to abide. We want to learn how to host your presence, walk in the Spirit, practice your presence, carry the dove on our shoulder. Lord, we, we want to learn how to do that with you. And so, Lord, I pray for a grace to uh, let there be just different reminders during the day to just turn our attention towards you. And to not get con- condemned when we forget about you for a long time, but to just take that next moment. It's like catching a wind current, the next wind current. We just ride that next current with you. So, Lord, I bless your people in the name of Jesus. Amen.